Welcome to Let's Talk Social Work, the podcast from the British Association of Social Workers. This is space for conversation, discussion with social workers, the individuals they support, and colleagues working in related professions. We consider the key matters affecting social workers as we explore contemporary issues with a focus at the local, national and global levels. Hello, my name is Andy McClanahan. Welcome to Let's Talk Social Work. If you're a frequent listener, thanks so much for making us part of your routine. And if this is your first time with the podcast, it's fantastic to have you with us. The summer's now over and we're returning to our regular schedule with episodes released fortnightly. And today, to kick us off for this new season, my guests and I will be discussing the corporal punishment of children, the impacts it has, and efforts being pursued to ban smacking in England. With me for this episode are Baroness Joan Walmsley, co-deputy leader of the Liberal Democrats in the House of Lords, Kate Fallon, General Secretary of the Association of Educational Psychologists, and John McGowan, General Secretary of the Social Workers Union. Joan, Kate and John, welcome to Let's Talk Social Work. How are you all feeling today? Joan, Baroness Walmsley, you first. How are you doing? Well, I'm fine, thank you. It's a nice sunny day here in London. I'm in an office in the House of Lords at the moment. Thank you. Thank you for joining us, Joan. Um, Kate, how are you doing? Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm also in London, uh, but I'm in our middle bedroom, which is where I've been working from home for quite some time now. Um, And it's interesting you say it's the end of the summer because actually it feels like the first day of summer here in London. So it's it's very hot. Indian summer, as we'd say, yes. Um, John, how are you doing? Hi, Andy. Good afternoon. Yes, I'm in um, sunny Edinburgh and it's nice to be quiet in Edinburgh because we've had the Edinburgh Festival on for the last four weeks and despite COVID the streets were so busy so it's um, nice to have some quiet back in Edinburgh City Centre again so here I am. Good, good. Well thank you all for joining me. Let's get into the conversation, let's get into this discussion, it's a vitally important one and I want to start us off, um, Joan I want to ask you if you could tell us what the law currently says about smacking children in England. Could you give us a bit of an overview? Yes, certainly. Um, Well, some long time ago, corporal punishment of children in schools was forbidden and in all public services. But when it comes to parents and carers, it's slightly different. Um, The situation is that a parent can hit a child as long as it doesn't leave a mark. Now, you can imagine the difficulty of that because, first of all, a parent who sets out to hit a child, doesn't know what sort of uh, effort (laughs) is going to be required to stop just short of leaving a mark. The second thing is some children bruise more easily than others. And of course, there's the issue of uh, children with darker skins who may not show a bruise quite so easily as other children. So the law is very unhelpful for parents, really, because they don't really know, um, you know, what what they can do. So what we're talking about is the um, excuse for hitting a child, that it is, quote, reasonable chastisement, unquote. Uh, And that means that it is um, chastisement of a child, which is reasonable in its purpose, but is not so severe as to cause a a mark on the child. I think it's discriminatory, unhelpful to parents and very damaging to children. And I've made over the years many, many efforts to change it. And we're still having that campaign. 
Thank you, Joan, for that overview. Now, later in the podcast, we're going to talk about the impacts on children and we're going to talk about the campaign to deliver that change. But that's the situation in, in England and we have devolution across the UK. So the situation in England isn't mirrored in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. There was a change to the law in Scotland. I think it was last year. Um, would someone like to tell me what that means and what the change has been? Uh, I mean, the law changed in Scotland, is, if you want the exact date, it was the 7th of November 2020, and they called it the Equal Protection from Assault Scotland Act, and that was passed in the Scottish Parliament. And really what that means is that all forms of physical punishment to children, it's against the law in Scotland. So children now have the same legal protection from assaults as adults, which is a great thing for us in Scotland. But I suppose the old law, which was the Criminal Justice Act 2003, that that protected children, but it was, it was just what um, Joan, what, you know, what um, Baroness Walsh said earlier, there was this clause in it saying reasonable chastisement. So some people would argue that the old law, the Criminal Justice Act in Scotland, protected children, but again, there was a question around reasonable chastisement. So the 2020 Act, it removed the statute of defence and it also removed previous laws that provided similar defences. So it was a very strong law, it was very clear and it was very evidence-based that it was totally illegal to smack a child for whatever reason. Thanks, John. And it doesn't actually create a new offence, is that correct? It removes the defence to the existing offence of assault, is that right? So if you were to smack a child, you could stand um, liable to be charged with, is it common assault? Is that is that what you would face? Yeah. Okay. And in terms of Wales, I'm aware that changes are forthcoming there as well. Um, a law banning people in Wales from smacking their children, it was passed by the Welsh Assembly, and that ban is going to begin in 2022. Northern Ireland, um, where I'm based, uh, parents in Northern Ireland, as, as I understand, can still use the defence of reasonable chastisement. Um, but in the Republic of Ireland, um, they removed a similar defence back in 2015. So looking across the UK and looking down south to the Republic of Ireland, we do have a rather mixed picture. But looking globally, what's the situation there? What's the picture like across the world? Well, the situation is this, that um, in 63 out of the 196 countries, all corporal punishment of children by anybody is banned. That includes parents, and that includes most of Europe and South America. But uh, it's allowed by parents, as we said earlier, in the UK under certain circumstances, and in the United States, and in South Africa, in Canada, in Australia. But uh, of course, the standard was set many, many years ago in Scandinavia by Sweden, where they banned it. And as I often say to people, the prisons are not full of parents who very occasionally lost it in Sweden. That's an interesting perspective to have. Um, Kate? Yeah, I was I was just going to comment this this sort of this um issue across the whole of the UK is quite interesting. Um, because as we said, Scotland has now made it illegal. Wales has passed the law and it's due to come into into effect very soon. Um, Northern Ireland, interestingly, um, you're correct in saying that it is still the same sort of situation as in England. However, there seems to be quite a move in Northern Ireland and the Children's Commissioner um, in Northern Ireland is very, very keen on um, supporting a change and supported by some of the the politicians in Northern Ireland. So it is, although sort of in Northern Ireland and England, there's there's no specific legislative move at the moment, there's certainly support in both countries um, to move towards change the legislation. Thank you, Kate. Thanks for clarifying. That's really helpful. Mm -hmm. So globally, Joan, Sweden was the first, 1979. I think Colombia is the most recent, isn't that correct? Yes, I think you're right about that. 
And the situation in some countries is worse than in others. I mean, for example, in Australia, parents can legally hit a child with an implement uh, as long as it doesn't leave a mark. Well, how helpful is that to parents? <laughs> Yes, and that, that's prohibited under the current legislation in England, is that correct? It is, yes, yes you're correct. Now, that's the global situation, countries that have banned, we've covered. Um, obviously, many countries haven't banned. If we have 196 countries, did you say, Joan, globally, 63? I think that's right, okay. yes. 63 have banned, so we're roughly a third. Um, so there's, there's obviously a lot of room for improvement there. In terms of the United Nations, uh, the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child, Am I correct in understanding that that prohibits the use of corporal punishment or that it would seek to prohibit the use? Yes, it it asks government to prohibit it, really. Uh, Article 19 says that governments must do all they can to ensure that children are protected from all forms of violence, abuse, neglect and bad treatment by their parents or anyone else who looks after them. So it's very clear. Just sort of building on what um, John was saying there, that the UN Conventions of the Right of the Child, it was signed by the UK in 1990. And, and, and that requirement, of the, even that signature, prohibits all corporal punishment in all settings. And there's two articles, which is probably unique to the, the smacking debate, is Article 19 that um, Joan articulated there. There's also Article 37 as well. Article 37 requires that children are protected, not only from torture or other cruel, inhuman or degrading treatment, but also punishment. So there's two specific articles there that the UK have signed up to, and that's that's important in the, in, in the debate as well. So. Thank you, John. And in Scotland, the, the Scottish government, they're looking to integrate the UNCRC into Scots law. Isn't that correct? Yeah. Hasn't been delivered just yet, or is, there, is it's been held up with the Supreme Court? Is that correct? Or it's been challenged? Yeah, my understanding has been challenged, and there'll be further debate on that particular um, aspect. So watch your space. Um, ever since um, the UK signed the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child, um, Every five years, there is a review by the Committee on the Rights of the Child of how well we are implementing the Convention. And in every single one of those reports, it has been requested that we change our law on hitting children and also that we incorporate the Convention into our law, but it hasn't yet been done. So it's not that the pressure is just coming from beneath in terms of grassroots campaigning. The pressure is coming from above in terms of the UN's um, own positions. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Okay, we've talked about the legal situation across the UK. We've talked about the global perspectives. um, But I want to talk about the impacts on children. I want to talk about how corporal punishment affects children. Kate, can we discuss, can we look at maybe short-term impacts, long-term impacts? How does corporal punishment affect children? What do we know? Well, there's been quite a lot of research over the last uh, few years, which certainly suggests that... um, the most immediate impact, which then can also become a longer term impact, is actually the negative effect it has on the quality of the parent and child relationship. So that the parents who regularly smack or, or, or hit uh, use physical punishment towards their children, it has an impact on all aspects um, of that relationship. So we have the quality. And once that um, you've had an adverse impact on that quality of that relationship, you can clearly see that that will sort of continue um, into adulthood. It gives children um, the, the the message that actually it's okay to hit somebody. So that if somebody else is doing something you don't like being done, then it is a reasonable course of action to take to, to hit that person because you don't like um, what they're doing. So it can model um, the sort of increased use of violence by children to other children. 
It also can lead to sort of um, that physical abuse increasing so that it actually becomes a sort of physical abuse that already is covered uh, by the law as a longer term uh, impact. They've also shown that um, it has impacts on the mental health of children and young people so that they are less happy um, you know, less um, able to cope with life as it is, and again, that could continue um, into um, into later life. Um, and it is now sort of recognised as um, one of the um, categories of of ACEs, so adverse con- conditions um, of, of early childhood, which can lead to a sort of a generally detrimental effect on the overall development of children um, and young people. So there are certainly many complex um, issues and impacts arising from it. Yeah, no, it's, uh, just to uh, agree with a lot of what Kay said, and um, if you look at the you know the clear evidence as well, especially as practitioners in, in um, child development, um, physical punishment has a major impact on, on a child in one way or another. I think we all know that, short or long term, that um, I think our own experiences working with children, that even as parents and practitioners, that children learn from their life experiences, don't they? And if life is about getting hit, then they'll grow up following the same pattern in life. And I'm a great believer in that. And of course, if, if they're facing difficult situations, then they're likely to hit out as well. And there's clear evidence that reflects that. I mean, in the short term, you, you asked the question to keep two ways, short term and long term. But in, in short term, there's again, there's lots of evidence around there that smacking children impacts on a child's confidence, their well-being and their mental health. Longer term, and again, longer term, there's a lot of um, research around that. In fact, there was a big survey from the University College London that emphasise that children who are smacked at a young age are more likely to suffer from poor mental health and have behavioural problems through to their teenage years. And that's quite apparent. So there's clear um, evidence there. And I was a bad boy before this. I went on mum's net just to have a look at that debate. And, and I mean, I, I suppose um, you know we shouldn't look at mum's net for a clear debate and argument, but it seemed to be quite strong. There was a strong um, viewpoint that, that smacking is a, 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 um, you know, does have an impact on, on children. And, and that was agreed as well. I think the first hit of a parent on a child is a barrier stepped over. And I think then the second hit becomes that little bit easier. Now, although it's absolutely not true that a person who hits the child once, you know, on the spur of the moment and then regrets it afterwards, as many parents do actually, will go on to abuse the child or become a serial um, abuser of children. It is also true that every child abuse starts with the first hit. So to actually say in law that hitting children is illegal and harmful and all the other good arguments that we have is a really very good thing because it helps to make people hesitate before they step over that barrier. And and having stepped over it once, they may never do it again. But on the other hand, they might, and it becomes a little bit easier the next time. Thanks, Joan. But just to, I just want to interrogate that a little bit more. You're not you're not drawing an equivalence between smacking a child and child abuse, or are you? No, no, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that child abuse starts somewhere. It starts with the first little bit of abuse of the child, and you know what we actually call child abuse is serious abuse of a child. But it's not come from nowhere. It hasn't come out of the blue. It started with a small 
thing that you do to the child, stepped over a barrier, and then it becomes worse and worse. So there are many, many parents who occasionally lose it and give the child a quick smack who never, ever become abusers. Of course they don't. But every child abuser starts with that first smack. And so that's why I'm saying it's really helpful to have a barrier to say, no, it's not a good idea. And one of the positions, you'll have heard this over and over again, I'm sure, in your campaigning work. And well, we'll, we'll have all have heard this in public discussions. People will argue that they were smacked and they'll say it did them no harm. What's your response to that, that way of thinking? I, I think none of us totally understand the effects on our adult persona and our behaviour of things that happened to us as a child. Most of us don't interrogate it. Um, and so the people who say that, I would say perhaps they don't, they don't remember or they, they simply don't realise um, that it has affected them in some way. And that perhaps their relationship with their parents might have been okay, but it could have perhaps been better if, he had, if they hadn't been smacked. It's a rather pithy comment, but I remember seeing uh, on social media during a discussion on this topic, someone make the comment that, of course, being smacked as a child affected you because it's made you think that smacking children is okay. Yeah, uh, again, you know, we're backing up with research that research shows that clearly that smacking can cause harm, but we still have this viewpoint that smacking never harmed me. However, again, you point to parents now who say that, oh, well, smacking didn't do me any harm, you know, but they don't end up smacking their children. And there's clear evidence there that the individuals who say that smacking didn't do any harm, they're not using that as a method to, to promote their parenting. So it's quite interesting, actually, that although that is a viewpoint that, that, that you know, there's a lot of um, parents out there who don't promote that in their own parenting style or with yeah. their own children. Yeah, no, I, I, and I think that's a very interesting point. It's um, interesting the number of, of sort of messages I've had from people who are quite vehemently opposed to the work that we're trying to do, but then at the very end of it have said, however, I've never hit my children. And so you think, well, actually, there's some dissonance there, isn't there, that sort of you say it was okay when people did it to you, but you are choosing not to do it to others. So I think, as Joan said earlier, it's entirely possible that actually when they reflect on their childhood, there were parts of it that were not pleasant and which they do not want to repeat um, for their own children. So they may not perceive that as being being harmed, but as being a part of their life that actually they wouldn't want to repeat in the future. So I think that that's quite interesting. And as John said earlier, um, individual people say it didn't harm me, but the, the breadth of research that we have now says that in general, actually it does cause harm to, to children. So we've discussed the harm that it caused to children. But children's attitudes towards smacking, I'm, 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 sh I'm sure you're not going to find a child that puts up their hand and says, I like to be smacked. But I mean, are there studies, have studies been done where children have actually been engaged with to ask, how is this affecting you? What? Do, how do you feel about this? Yeah, there was a survey back in 2016 when um, school pupils across the UK uh, were surveyed. And actually the majority of those children said uh, they didn't think it was OK for parents to be um, hitting them. Um, and I think it's, they sort of reported the feelings that they felt, which went actually sort of much more than being admonished or being uh, sort of corrected or told you should do something differently. But it actually had a much deeper emotional impact, a sort of humiliation 
um, and and great sort of emotional sadness um, and upset. So the the sort of the, the 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 comments that were made about how it made children feel would certainly support that idea that it is doing harm. Uh, yes, I think UNICEF has done some research um, amongst their young supporters about it, and it lines up exactly with what Kate has just said. And I think um, the Youth Parliament has also debated it and done some research amongst their members. And it really does, um, it's very interesting to read the comments that young people make about it, as Kate has just said. And I think it changes the view of the, the child about the parent. The children always want to think their parent, put their parents on a pedestal, think they're wonderful. But when the parent does something so hurtful to them, it really changes their view of the parent. Yeah, no, there was also a big survey in um, 2017 by the Department for Children's Schools and, and Families, and that was commissioned by the Sherbet um, Research Group. And again, that, that spent a lot of time speaking and, and quantifying with children the feelings about being smacked and also comparing that to feelings around other forms of a, a, um, a, a, a parenting. And the overall consensus was that verbal discipline, when it was delivered in an appropriate manner, children claimed they were better able to appreciate their wrongdoings at the same time learn from the situation. Because because for them, the adult was seen to be guiding and directing them as well as chastising them. So that was quite an interesting sort of survey. And it was a very open and honest um, overview between children's experiences of different styles of um and that's really helpful actually because Kate had just going back a few minutes Kate talked about the impact on the parent-child relationship and that's something I was keen to explore because no child is going to enjoy being disciplined no matter what the discipline is whether it's verbal discipline whether it's corporal punishment but there is John are you saying that's been evidence that children will report feeling differently to a verbal discipline as opposed to corporal punishment? Well and the, the findings from the 2017 survey highlighted that the children's preferred method and, and what these so perceived as the as the, the approach and preferable, and what they learned from it was verbal discipline over physical punishment and and, sh- and extreme shouting. So that was coming from the participants' own responses, not the researchers. So. And that's interesting as well. You talk about extreme shouting because I mean I'm aware of cases of friends where there's been an absolute um, uh, opposition to any corporal punishment in their family, but there was verbal discipline that I, I think veered beyond discipline into something much more significant, and you know that can have impact. So it's it's recognizing, as June said, you know, um, physical abuse starts um, with a smack. I mean, other forms of abuse, m- mental abuse, verbal abuse, starts with a telling off and and that can if, if that's left unrestrained if that's not controlled that can also have significant impacts on on children and young people yeah, yeah and and i think um the the whole issue uh, that we are raising i mean we call it sort of for shorthand banning smacking but actually it's about providing equal protection for for children um as the same protection that adults have from um, being struck or or hit by another person. But it's also about giving us the opportunity to have the discussion about positive parenting and actually 
better methods of um, bringing up children. So as you say, sort of um, shouting and being very verbally abusive to children can also be incredibly damaging. So the discussion and the debate is not just about the sort of the, the, the legal sort of line in the sand, but also about then opening up those discussions. Um, and what we know is that sort of using um, verbal means of correcting a child, you can literally do the correction, actually talk about what it was that happened that wasn't appropriate, but then also use it as a positive experience for talking about what you would like to have seen um, the child do instead of what they just did. Smacking or hitting is usually, that's it, It's a, and, and it quite often is accompanied by an angry shout um, and a no and a label on the child, you're naughty, that's terrible, but not actually what it specifically was that was wrong and what impact that had on other people and what might actually be done in the future. So it's sort of, it, it's it's a much more complex thing than just about um banning smacking. And as I say, we I think we all want to talk about this equal protection for children and positive parenting approaches. I'd agree about the equal protection. I was so glad that the Scottish law, when it was changed, uh, called it equal protection for children. Um, but it brings us very nicely onto the subject of positive parenting. And uh, it reminds me, a few years ago, um, I was visiting New Zealand um, on a rugby tour, actually, <laughs> but I took the opportunity of talking to some of the people who had been responsible for changing the law in New Zealand, because although Australia is a long way behind, New Zealand is well ahead. And they did change the law, make sure that parents could not smack their children. But they found that what parents wanted was an alternative, a better alternative. So what they did was they put in place what that alternative was before they took away the option of smacking as a, as a legal um, action. So they did a lot more parenting classes. They did uh, focus groups in workplaces and um, all kinds of public arenas, uh, so bringing parents together to discuss their difficulties of bringing up their children and the ways that they actually found most effective in helping their children to know how they should be behaving. And, and that was very effective. And once that was really embedded. Then they took away the option of hitting a child and nobody minded too much because they had a better alternative already. And that's really fantastic. And it's something I just wanted to come back to in terms of the, the UNCRC. Now, Joan, you quoted from Article 19 um, of the UNCRC earlier, and I'm just going to come back to that. It says that such protective measures should, as appropriate, include effective procedures for the establishment of social programmes to provide necessary support for the child and those and for those who have the care of the child. And I think that's where we, we're certainly feeling um, probably across the UK, um, regardless of where which constituent part of the UK we're in and what the law says about smacking. In terms of actually providing that support to parents to have positive um, approaches to correcting behaviour and teaching good behaviour. We need to do more in relation to that. We certainly do. And we've had um, so many initiatives over the years. Oh, yes, governments have said they will provide uh, parenting classes and parenting groups with professionals to help them uh, to bring up their children well and happily and make it a happy experience for the parents as well as the children. But all these things are short term and they fall by the wayside. One of the most effective ones, I think, was done by the health visitors. 
um, who seem to be, to me, to be pretty well qualified to deliver such groups. And they are very keen, or they were last time I spoke to them, very keen to deliver this sort of uh, group. But of course, these things cost money. And unfortunately, they go to the bottom of the pile when local authorities and uh, health trusts have other priorities, which some of which are mandatory and they absolutely have to do them. So they don't have any money left over for something which they see as optional, however beneficial it might be. Um, again, reflecting on the positive parenting programmes, there's no coincidence that in Scotland, prior to the 2020 Act, there was a lot of work and a lot of funding going into positive parenting programmes and also the, which at the time was a new community schools initiative where um, in Scotland we had social workers in schools and, and youth groups. And, and I think that message was very clear. So that, that strategy was already there trying to inform the public that SMACA wasn't appropriate in the build up to the act. But um and I don't want to um be political here, but obviously again once more the, the cutbacks from the this disgraceful conservative government and the impact on the the lackey um clubs and opportunities and um I can go on and on about the cuts. That that again that's lost a lot of that in Scotland. There's a lot of these clubs up and that um are no longer able to do that anymore. But it was interesting that strategy was put in place prior to the act going in, in Scotland. Thanks, John. You got political and that's totally fine. We're here to talk about that stuff. Um, Kate? Yes, I was going to say, and it's similar to what was happening in Scotland, um, in Wales, again, there's actually been quite a lot of effort and resources put into um, developing strategies and resources uh, for parents because some of our educational psychologists have produced quite a lot of booklets and little videos which you can access via the um, Government's Wales um, uh, website. Um, And I think it's interesting talking about how we do it because I think sort of making it it, it public and getting a lot of publicity, then people actually are more likely to talk about it and share ideas and go out and look for ideas. So I think it needs to be done on, on various levels um, because my understanding is that most younger parents actually already think it's illegal <laughs> and they're actually out there looking for strategies. So we've got a, a, almost a captive audience um, there available. And interestingly, um, if we're talking about sort of resources and government initiatives, some of you will remember years ago, the, the Sure Start programme and the Early Years Help programme, when actually there was a lot of resources, a lot of help being put into uh, children and families um, in, in particular areas. And I do note that there's a sort of a move now to set up something called early hubs. Now, how much money is going to go into that? But certainly here in England, if we could get that message accepted by the government about looking at, at developing positive parenting strategies and opposing the physical punishment, then those early hubs would actually be an ideal vehicle um, to start um, sort of implementing or including more and more programmes or at least raising the profile there. Thanks, Kate. In terms of public attitudes, I was looking online for some surveys of public attitudes towards smacking children. And I mean, I wasn't I wasn't turning up a huge amount of information. One that I found was um, research conducted by, uh, for the Welsh Government, um, commissioned by the Welsh Government. I think the company that conducted it was called Beaufort Research. The question that was asked in that research it was useful, but it wasn't as useful as I think it could have been because people were asked, um, to what extent do you agree or disagree that it's sometimes necessary to smack a child? And the findings were that 
disagreed that it was sometimes necessary and 35% agreed that it was sometimes necessary. Now, discussion about necessity isn't the same about discussion about acceptability. Somebody could say that it's not necessary, but it is a parent's, uh, you know, they, they have a right to do it. So it's acceptable. Do we know have any surveys been done testing attitudes towards the acceptability? Um, if the Welsh government looked at necessity, looking at acceptability instead? I think there was um, a, a, a survey carried out by Sky actually a couple of week, a couple of years ago. I don't have all the details to hand, but I think they found that many people were sort of on that uh, that that cusp really of actually they wouldn't do it but they're almost frightened of saying let's make it illegal uh, just in case because I might get caught out or whatever so I I, I think my belief would be um Andy that there's sort of there are a lot of people sort of hovering around that middle line who actually um, wouldn't smack their children and probably wouldn't feel too anxious if a law did come in, um, because they would already have been following it. But actually to talk about, oh, shall we ban it? They might actually just at the last minute to step back and thinking, oh, you know, what, what if one day it happened to me? Um, that, that's my feeling about yes. it, to be honest. Yes. Well, that's actually similar to what happened in Wales, because I've got the figures here. The, the question then, which was asked next, was which of these statements about proposed changes to the law around physical punishment of children in Wales best reflects your view? Um, 38% said they were in favour of changing the law to remove the defence of reasonable punishment. 31% were against, and then 21% said they needed more information to decide. 10% didn't know. Um, so yes, that's interesting, you know, keeping keeping yourself on the right side of the law. It's an interesting motivator. John? Yeah, no, it's just going back to that survey you were highlighting in Wales that, interestingly, only 5% in that survey expressed strong agreement, um, so strong agreement that it's sometimes necessary to smack a child. So there was, so, so that was an important bit where the figure's so long. And I, I think it's also worth reflecting that, I think in my experience of working with families in the UK over the years, that there's been a real shift um, in society, I think. Younger parents will openly challenge their own parents how to discipline their children if in their care. So that, that way is there. And also grandparents today are also generally a lot younger. And they come from this new age where physical punishment's a thing of the past. So already I think we're seeing a shift socially and as part of that. And, and I think that's driven by this new um, parenting. Yeah, and I think there's a very interesting issue there as well, John, talking about grandparents. I think there are grandparents who might have smacked their own children, but who would not smack their grandchildren because they would understand quite how disapproving <laughs> their own children would be. So actually, you've got younger parents shaping the behaviour <laughs> of their parents, which is very interesting when we talk about this whole issue about modelling. So we've actually now got younger parents modelling to their parents <laughs> how actually children um, should be brought up. Um, and I think realising that actually you know, children being brought up who are not being smacked actually aren't turning into demons and devils, but actually um, are, are very balanced and reasonable children uh, and very often actually able to express themselves and their displeasure when things are going wrong. Because I think one of the things that um, we really want to um, help children to is to recognise their own strong emotions and be able to develop self-regulation. If you see a parent, an adult who is clearly feeling very angry and has a strong emotion, then lashes out as a result of it, 
rather than being able to step back and explain to the child what has happened that's actually made them feel quite emotional um, is a huge sort of um, a difference in how to help the child um, in, in late life. And I think it's quite interesting that some grandparents actually now recognise how their own children are, are, are doing that and are quite a surprised um, and... Uh, and, and just sort of pleased that there are other ways of doing things. Thank you, Kate. I mean, the other thing just to bear in mind in relation to that is the transition from parent to grandparent does seem to be quite transformative in terms of mm. some people's attitudes as well, yes, in terms of yeah. softening. Um, if we can move on, I mean, one of the other points that will come up, I'm sure you, you've heard again in relation to your campaign work, the argument will be made that, you know, making it an offence to smack a child, that'll criminalise parents who may be trying their best within the skills and experience that they have. Now, we've talked about positive parenting and help in relation to that, but how would you respond to that statement? Um, well, I think just going back to our previous conversation that um, a lot of people are hesitant to agree that there should be a ban by citing extreme situations, such as if the child is about to hurt itself, put its hand in the fire, run across a road, something like that. And sometimes the only thing a parent can do is administer a quick smack and bring the child up to a stop uh, to stop doing what they were doing that was dangerous. But um, that situation is not something that's going to provide a parent with a criminal offence in any of the countries that have banned um, smacking. Um, and so uh, it's, it's, um, it's an argument that doesn't really hold any water at all. Well, I mean, I think you don't necessarily need to smack a child if they're about to run in a road. I think you grab them and pull out of out of danger, the same as them putting the hand um, in the fire. And I think that's what we've said to, to people. He said, oh, well, what if they, well, if they're running in front of a car, of course you get hold of them and pull them back. You don't necessarily need to smack them. You can then tell them how, how dangerous it was. But your point, Andy, about the criminalisation of parents, I mean, I think all we can say is that the evidence in those countries who introduced the protective legislation for children and young people did not see a significant rise in the number of parents who were then um, criminalised for the way in which they were bringing up their children. Um, that's certainly in, in many of the other countries. I mean, I think John has probably got anecdotal evidence about what's going on in, in Scotland, although I don't think there's been a full study um, done at the moment. Um, but certainly the, 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 the feeling is that it has not happened, that it's sort of been accepted, people have moved on um, and different ways of parenting have been looked at. Yeah, so um, so actually building on Kate's point as well, and, and I think the Association of Education Psychologists made this point very clearly, that the intention of any legal change, particularly to England, is not to criminalise parents, but it's to help redefine what is acceptable and how we treat our children and each other. And that's the principal point here. Is it acceptable to hurt our children? And that's the point we're trying to get. It's not to criminalise the parent, but it's to educate the parent to see this is how we need to um, treat the child, the, the child and we do this through our own behaviour. So that's an important point. And um, going back to um, Scotland again, they, they introduced the, the law in Scotland, but the stats are very hard to get. And even be hunting for them, it, it's fr from what I can gather and from my own networks, that it hasn't led to a big increase in Scotland regarding uh, additional offences and additional criminalisation of parents. If anything, it's led to parents being referred to, to positive programmes and, and working on their, their skills and understanding why it's not appropriate in the context it's illegal. So. 
Thank you, John. And I mean, it hasn't been in place for a long time in Scotland either. So in terms of even the production of those statistics, perhaps we will find out more um, in the years to come. But just and following on from that last point you made about referring parents on to um, programmes to help with their parenting skills, how has a smacking ban affected social workers in Scotland and how would you foresee it affecting social workers in Wales when it comes in and if it were to be brought in in England and Northern Ireland? Yeah, well, I'll take you back in the journey to around about 2019 and it was, you know, the media was, it was all horror stories saying there would be an increase in child protection services, that the police and social workers would be getting reports of physical abuse from schools and other places. That didn't happen. Um, in fact, it, it didn't happen at all. And from the evidence I, I was able to assess, that it, just what I said, that in, in a way that we were able then to work on families prior to the act coming in place and educate and also after that use it as a form of education. So I haven't seen any increase in parental prosecution, but for the social workers who who are working in that field after it changed, the the legislation itself assisted social workers because before it was a very grey area. And and I think that, well, I would argue that the change in legislation made it crystal clear that the physical punishment of children is illegal and that helped that, that process. But the, the thresholds, if you look at social workers' role, and I've been working in safeguarding and child protection for over 20 years, our role in assessing risk and significant harm, that's not changed in a way that the, the, you know, the ban and smacking has just aided that grey area and helped us affirm and, and educate families. Um, so that'd be my view there. So and, and the overall messages to the parents that I've worked with over these years, that's not changed as a social worker. I still believe that an intervention strategy involving smacking as a form of punishment, that's no way to discipline a child. And I think that's been um, quite apparent from the from the profession over the years. So John, you'd mentioned that social workers are actually saying this is helping them, it's making life easier when it comes to working with families. Could you explore that a wee bit more? Can you tease that out? Yeah, so I'm just reflecting on it and, and you know, what some of our own members and, and my own social work colleagues that in a way that's it's helped it's almost shape the way that children are disciplined and that is formulating that discussion. So it's helped in that way, and it's helped to encourage parents to try to use alternatives to physical punishment. So in a way that the assessment process, if social workers receive a low-scale referral, and it might be around the chastisement of a child or, or, or the physical aspect, in a way, in that lower level, it's given a road in to then explore that, explore what's behind the behaviour, and also explore what's, what's required. And in a way, that's you could argue that's actually assisted a lot of families where they might have escalated because once you start hitting a child, you've got nowhere to go because the next time you punish them, that hit's going to be stronger and it's going to continue along that line. So that's a strategy that you need to move away from to use physical violence against a, a child as a form of behaviour is, is leading, is, 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 is escalating your um, um, concerns. So. Thank you, John. Now, in terms of what needs to change in England, we've talked about what the law is currently uh, and we've talked about the changes in Scotland and Wales. But your organisation's working collectively together. You're campaigning to see a change uh, to the law in England. So can we talk a bit about what the campaign is doing? Um, Joan, can you tell us how long you've been working on this and what your intention is? Uh, Are you planning to introduce legislation in the Lords or are you planning to work with government on this? Um, well, I've been in the Lords for 21 years, and for 21 years I've been campaigning on this, um, <clears throat> and I'm not going to stop. Um, but there are various ways of doing it, and I think um, 
anything really that highlights the issue, that brings the issue forward uh, so that people can talk about it and can pass on their positive experiences from countries where uh, the law has been changed and how much better things are for children, for parents and for social workers um, is a good thing. So now and then we have questions, we have debates, um, we ask for meetings with ministers uh, to talk about it. And, um, you know, the last time I had a meeting with the minister, I was disappointed, really, because I started the meeting by asking the minister why the government will not make this small but very significant and helpful change in the law. And she waffled on for about 15 minutes. And eventually what it came down to was, well, nanny state, we don't think we should tell parents what to do. Well, I don't think we own our children. And I don't think our children think that their parents own them. And so I, I don't think it should be a free-for-all and allow parents to do anything they like because pa- uh, children are entities with rights of themselves, certainly under the UN Convention. So it really is um, much better to uh, make the law absolutely clear. And, and thresholds, I think, are very important here. John was just mentioning thresholds. And to set the minds at rest of people who are w- worried about a ban and about the possibility of caring parents landing in prison. I, I just point out that in order to place a criminal charge against somebody, it's not just got to be a clear break of the law, but it's got to be in the public interest. And it is not in the public interest. And any social worker will, will conclude that in their advice uh, to prosecute a parent who is genuinely caring and just needs a bit more help with parenting as long as the child is not being seriously harmed. So I I think public information is really vital here. So I use any opportunity I can to raise the issue and, and get it discussed in the open. That matter of public public interest, though, is very important. It's not one that I've actually heard um, or read about in this whole debate as I've been doing my research. And that that is, it's very helpful to hear that. Now, you've been in the Lords for 21 years. That means you've spanned several governments, some Tory, some coalition, some uh, Labour governments. I'm just thinking over those 21 years, uh, you've said about the current government using the term nanny state in relation to this issue. Going back to the Labour government, I mean, a lot was done under that government in terms of help for families. I'm thinking of things like Sure Start. Was there an appetite at that time with the Labour government um, under Blair, under Brown, to deliver change? Obviously, no change was delivered. But was that a missed opportunity, do you think? I think it was. Um, All governments have their agendas and they have their priorities. And unfortunately, things like this although you and I think they're terribly important, they tend to be right down the list of priorities, especially if they're going to cost money to put in place the sorts of things that John has just described, that the Scottish government put in place before the ban came into operation, the parenting classes and and all the public information that he's just talked about. Thank you. Uh, Joan Kate. Yes, I was going to say, I mean, I think um, when the, the, the Children Act was was passed in the early 2000s, there certainly was um, an amendment proposed to the Act at that time, which would have brought uh, this in. But unfortunately, there weren't enough 
um, sort of Labour MPs to support it. I think there was actually a good number of uh, Labour MPs who were prepared uh, to support it. Um, interestingly, none of them are still in the House of Commons uh, because we've actually tried to make contact with them to to, to ask them to to help to support uh, you know a, another campaign now. And I think Tony Blair felt he I think he was too hesitant. And he thought that the sort of the public opinion wasn't quite there. Um, and that's why he was he, he, he was too hesitant in, in doing it. I mean, I think there's two things on that. One, I think um, public opinion has shifted hugely uh, within that, that last 20 years. And secondly, I think we've known in the past that laws have been passed uh, that weren't necessarily supported by public opinion, but when they came into into being, actually they soon became part of uh, everybody's everyday life. We were only talking the other day about banning sm- uh, smoking in pubs or wearing seatbelts. You know, people did not want those things to happen when they came in, but actually um, now they're in. Nobody would even dream. Of um, of reversing those, so I think we do have to have somebody who who will actually take that risk um, and take the risk of being called uh, the nanny state. And it's about as identifying politicians. Interesting, the Home Secretary said not not fairly recently that she disapproved of children being physically punished, which was somewhat in odds odds as the sort of some of the, the opinion she's expressed about the way in which one might punish. Adults. Um, so maybe there's a glimmer of, of hope there. And I think it, it's one of the pieces of work we have to do is try and identify people who are sympathetic and who would be tr- prepared to try and take a risk on this. Um, Kate, I remember it well. I had it was involved with mm. a, uh, an amendment in the Lords. Um, but <clears throat> but the, I think the point we have to make is that um, public opinion has shifted considerably, but you still need leadership from government. And what I often point out to people is that in Sweden, which was the first country to ban parents from smacking their children, at the time, there was not a majority of public opinion in favour of that ban. But the government showed leadership and took the lead. And gradually, as parents discovered there were better ways of disciplining their children. If you tried to reinstate a legal right to smack your children in Sweden now, it wouldn't get anywhere because public opinion has shifted completely. So you do require some leadership from government. Joan, Kate, John, thank you for taking part in this conversation. I find it really fascinating. I've learned a lot and I'm sure that everyone who listens is going to learn a lot as well. Thank you for your time. Thanks for contributing. Thanks. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. Goodbye.